Hello, welcome to Orion Talks. My name is Suat Çubukçu. I'm a senior fellow at Orion Policy Institute. We have a special guest today, Ambassador Weiner. Welcome. Happy to be with you. Thanks for coming. Uh, Ambassador Jonathan Weiner served as the United States Special Envoy for Libya and worked as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for International Law Enforcement and counsel to the United States Senator John Kerry. He has written and lectured widely on U.S. Middle East policy, counterterrorism, international money laundering, illicit networks, corruption, and U.S.-Russia relations. In 2016, Ambassador Weiner received the highest award granted by the Secretary of State for extraordinary service for the U.S. government in avoiding the massacre of over 3,000 members of Iranian dissident group in Iraq and leading U.S. policy in Libya. I know you have a longer CV, but I'm going to make it short uh, for the time uh, concerns. And today we are going to talk about Libya, um, Ambassador Weiner. Um, as we see, Libya has been torn by more than a decade civil war since the NATO-backed uprising toppled the longtime dictator Qatar in 2011. While there have been two competing governments fighting for control, the transfer of power to interim government of national unity in the last year raised hopes for peace and reunification in Libya. However, once again, we have been observing increasing tension between two rival governments in Tripoli and Tabruk. So the current situation has raised fears of another deadlock and further conflict in the country. And I want to start our first, um, I mean, the question and the conversation as a former diplomat who served as the U.S. Special Envoy for Libya and has been following what's happening in Libya very closely, how do you read the new developments in Libya? Are these the signs of further conflict or peace in the foreseeable future? Another one, actually, right now. <laughs> okay. I don't see signs of near-term uh, military conflict, nor do I see signs of a near-term political agreement. What I see really is the fracturing of diplomatic efforts into various uh, efforts at leadership as the UN, current UN mandate comes to an end with uncertainty over what's going to happen next, given Russian opposition to UNSMO moving ahead, unless Russia gets to decide who the uh, special representative, the secretary general or special envoy will be. And Russia has um, had a very large say in the tenure of the last one. Uh, Jan Kubish, who was widely seen as having been a failure in the position and wound up leaving amidst a uh, fundamental disagreements over approach with the secretary general. And Russia vetoed a series of other potential candidates. And it's not clear what Russia is going to allow uh, to happen next in relationship to the UN's role. So that's coming to an end. Uh, Stephanie Williams, who has served admirably as a special advisor so the Secretary General, and previously uh, was a acting um, special envoy and acting um, SRSG after she was the deputy special representative of the Secretary General, is, is leaving um, at the end of the month. And uh, after really an extraordinary effort on her part to try and bring people together, and she's the one who created the Libyan polit Political Dialogue Forum that led to the establishment of the government of national unity after the expiration date the previous government, the Governor of National Court, whose creation um, 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 I played a role in as the U.S. Special Envoy back in 2015, that was supposed to last for one year. 
mm-hmm. with one year extension maximum. Instead, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, much longer than it was supposed to be. So we have seen now for a very long time um, a divided Libya and efforts to set up competing governments. That goes back really now to 2014. That's a long time for a government to be uh, going through, a country to be going through divided government. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you. So you you mentioned about the importance of Russian, um, uh, you know, Russia and their involvement in the conflict. Do you think the Russian invasion of Ukraine has changed the dynamics in the Libyan conflict? And also, do you also think the Ukraine war has changed foreign powers' approach to Libya? I think that after Khalifa Haftar's effort failed at the beginning of 2020 to impose mm-hmm. a new dictatorship on Libya through military conquest. Um, and after he failed to treat Vladimir Putin with particular respect, when Mr. Putin invited him to Moscow and Haftar left, refusing to sign any kind of agreement, that was more or less the end of any serious effort to take the entire country by force. Haftar's theory of the case, which he told me back in 2016 was his idea, was all you have to do is declare yourself the head of Libya, Mm-hmm. Uh, seize control of communications, take the capital, and the whole country will fall as, as Gaddafi did. And he wanted to be Gaddafi's successor. That was the, not a good idea. It was not the right idea. I told him it would be a disaster and we would do everything possible to oppose him. But he did it anyway and then failed. Since then, there's really been an effort, I think, by all of the foreign countries to say, let's find a way through this that does not involve uh, conf- uh, conflict. And I think most of the Libyan actors, including Khalifa Haftar and Fadi Bashaga, uh, who are joined together in the effort to create an uh, alternative to the um, um, uh, government involving the Beba, um, they've made peace of some kind or some, have been some kind of a, a alliance, as has uh, Bashaga and Aguila Sala, the Speaker of the House. Um, of the Libyan parliament, House of Representatives. So the alliances continue to shift. The relationships continue to shift. There continues to be conflict over United rule, but there has not been an outbreak of conflict, nor has there been an outbreak of successful diplomacy, nor has there been an outbreak of elections that would give the Libyan people the ability to decide after eight years since the last parliamentary elections. Yeah, uh, and also how they evaluate the roles of external military powers. So it's not the, the Russia, it's there are other actors like Turkey as well. Sure. And do you find their involvement necessary for reconciliation in and Libya's unification? Well, uh, speaking as a, as a human being, speaking as a former U.S. diplomat, speaking as a Libyan uh, uh, scholar or analyst or academic, it doesn't matter which hat I wear. I would like to see all the foreign militaries leave. I don't think Libya is well served by having foreign forces in the country. I wouldn't want them in my country. Um, who wants foreign forces exercising their own independent will? Now, the Russia attack on Ukraine, of course, has poisoned relations further between Russia, the United States, Russia, um, uh, and the UK. And while Macron is trying to provide um, some bridge as another member of the UN Security Council, 
it's not working. And I don't think it's personally that it's going to work anytime soon. The damage has been too great. So what I think is Ukraine has done is it's accelerated something that had happened already, namely a reduced interest in the importance of Libya uh, by many international actors. Yes, Libya is still uh, pro- has serious problems. It's still fractured. Mm-hmm. Libya could be part of a variety of solutions for the Mediterranean, for the Maghreb, for the Sahel, uh, for counterterrorism, for reducing uh, refugee flows, for variety, for improving trade and economic conditions and providing opportunity. A Libya that had solved its problems can make a very big difference in a positive way. But how important is that? It's much less important to most of the major actors now that it was. How important is it to Russia? It's a nice to have. Russia has used the Wagner Group not only in mm-hmm. Libya, but in a number of other African states. Um, its influence is, is, continues to expand as Russia has expanded its fertilizer and agriculture markets in, in Africa and tried to make Africa dependent on Russia or African states to have, as part of its geopolitical strategies. It's done that in Latin America as well. Uh, starting with um, fertilizer in Brazil, for example, where it's, where it's recently purchased major capacity. So Libya is still part of Russia's strategic calculus. Similarly, it's still part of Erdogan's strategic calculus, which is why he went in to prevent Khalifa Haftar and the Emiratis and the Egyptians and the Russians from establishing a Haftar dictatorship back in 2020. But is it central to what Erdogan needs now? No, it's important for Erdogan to exercise enough uh, force and maintain enough of a position to counter the counterweight to Egypt and to maintain Turkey's status. But it's not seeking armed conflict either. So uh, the Emiratis have clearly pulled back, at least while the Biden administration um, uh, is in power, what they'll do if there's a return to President Trump or someone who is uh, like him, very transactional, is, I think, an open question. Um, So everybody's pulled back, but there isn't a single diplomatic channel that is working. And the ones that are active are sometimes acting across purposes. So it seems that external military power actually promotes disorder in the region. I think that the introduction of foreign military forces was Mm -hmm. very damaging to Libya. And it's if you don't have the ability to take Libya or control Libya yourself in your Libya, and you can go to a foreign country and say, back me, I'll back you. I'll give you oil concessions. I'll give you big contracts. How much does Libya have a year? 50, 60 billion dollars in revenues in a good year. I'll give you contracts worth 100 billion in revenues, 500 billion in revenues, whatever you want. Don't worry about whether they're enforceable. I'll give you oil and gas rights in the Eastern Mediterranean. If you're Turkey, even though they're not really mine to give up and it's never going to work because Greece is going to contest it. So everybody was negotiating their own deal. And the foreign powers were getting um, commitments that in some cases could not be fulfilled, but which were politically useful for them as weights or markers of their role and influence. It was really a very bad game. For Libya to play, um, uh, I won't. Uh, I won't characterize it um, more emphatically than that. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say it was foolish. I'm not going to say it was stupid. I'm not going to say it was against Libya's national interests. But actually, 
I think it was foolish, stupid, and against Libya's national interests to invite foreign powers in and have them exercise military force to assist Libyans in killing other Libyans or to kill mm-hmm. Libyans themselves. I don't think that was a good idea. And I think you have to distinguish that from the legitimate, necessary, and important support for Libya in countering terrorists who are also present in Libya. What do I mean by terrorists? That's a really important question. How do you define a terrorist? Well, a terrorist is somebody who's going to go and um, uh, execute people on the beach, Egyptian cops on the beach because they're of a different religion and because they can in order to terrorize people. Um, a terrorist is going to go uh, into another country and attack tourists at a hotel or at a museum um, as part of demonstrating their authority and power. Mm-hmm. Uh, those terrorist groups were present in Libya. The Islamic State back in 2015 took a substantial portion of its coastal territory in the region around Sirte. And you, Libya may well need foreign support as it got from the United States for that purpose. But that's a different purpose from the purpose of achieving political objectives in civil conflict, which is what happened afterwards. Okay, uh, thank you. And another question, you know, as we are going through a kind of energy crisis and inflation, um, and in the wake of Russian invasion of Ukraine, the European Union has been seeking alternative energy sources, especially, in, um, um, you know, after the war. Do you think Libya has the potential to meet the use energy needs? It has the potential to um, generate 1.5 to 1.6 million barrels a day today uh, without any further investment, despite everything that's been done to it by various groups that have tried to use oil as a weapon. At various times, it goes down to half that or a third of that uh, as one group or another holds oil hostage because they don't like government. And they want to prevent any particular government from getting, uh, who they disagree with, from being able to use the revenues from that unless they get their share. So this oil hostage taking has been very damaging to Libya. And the United States has been pushing a mechanism where oil revenue would be held in a special account uh, in order to be reinvested in the National Oil Corporation in order um, to increase production and pr- reduce the risk of political abuse. And uh, with investment, could Libya produce, um, instead of 1.5 or 1.6, 2 million barrels a day? Very, very likely, probably more than that. Um, how long would that take, uh, take to come online? I don't know. It would not be a huge period of time, but it would require some years of investment. Just maximizing what they can do now would already provide a net benefit because uh, global oil energy prices are really dependent on small changes in supply and demand. When demand is just below supply, prices go down a lot. When demand is just above supply, um, prices go up a lot until there's supply-demand clearance. And in this particular market, the the difference between the two may not be enormous in terms of the supply and the demand, but the Mm -hmm. pricing is. So some incremental addition of Libyan oil would be of substantial value. Yes, it could help Europe. Yeah, okay. Um, and do you think it's a kind of feasible option for Europe to solve the energy crisis? No, but it can help. And it's very important to Italy. Italy in particular mm-hmm. has relied on and can rely on Libyan oil. And the second country that needs that has the most and needs it the most is France. 
And both of those countries um, uh, have a lot of contracts with Libya now and would benefit by um, a, a stable situation in which Libyan oil was no longer manipulated by various interest-seeking advantage, including essentially bribes. Yeah. Uh, and the last question, um, do you have any kind of recommendation to the international communities and the major powers, including United States and European Union, to be able to help the Libyan people in their efforts to bring peace to their country? Yes, there, there do need to be national elections with a new parliament put in place rather than the one that's been in place eight years. Interim, the period for interim government has long since passed. And the international should be lining up behind a single plan to do that rather than getting distracted on other issues. It's quite clear that the, that the actors who currently define Libya's political life are all not only self-interested, but have been incapable of reaching agreements um, to result in a, a single power, a government that's effective with shared power. Uh, I don't see Mr. Debeba giving way to Mr. Bashaka. Mm-hmm. I don't see Mr. Bashaka giving way to Mr. Debeba. Uh, it's all interim anyway. The way you solve that ultimately is with national elections which is what Stephanie Williams has been trying to do. Mr. Kubish made a fundamental mistake, which is he gave the authority completely to Aguila Sala to establish elections under a process that ultimately, as was demonstrated, was never intended to work, which was a process to create multiple rounds for presidential voting and then to have the parliament elected later and changed later. Well, that was a recipe to create maximum opportunity for negotiation and deal-making involving Mr. Sala in particular. Um, And one result of it was they never had elections. Uh, The elections need to be established through an international process um, that's unified uh, and uh, allow the Libyan people to make uh, their choice. The parliamentary elections and the presidential elections clearly should take place at the same time or parliamentary should be first. Um, there needs to be Libyan buy-in, a process to get Libyan buy-in. Look, we've tried so far a couple of different major ideas that have proven wrong or insufficient. The first major idea was that the internationals could essentially create a path that all the Libyan uh, interests had to follow to establish a government of national accord back in 2015. It was successful. But there were Libyans who didn't like the result. They didn't like the choices that were made. And they prevented it from functioning. That was Aguila Salo, the Speaker of the House in particular, Khalifa Haftar in particular. So the solution one was the internationals playing the overwhelming role and the UNSRSG selecting who would be in the interim government and lead it. That didn't work, ultimately. The second option was the idea let the Libyans work it out amongst themselves. The one in the middle was conquest by Haftar, which was, of course, failed as well. And then the final one was having the Libyans try and work it out with the internationals playing a much reduced role. And that hasn't worked. So internationals can't do it alone. Can't be done by conquest, which means it has to be done by agreement. And Libyans haven't been able to reach agreement amongst themselves. So the what that says to me is that the internationals really have to play an aligning role And the decisions ultimately need to be taken away 
from individual self-interested Libyan politicians. No, I'm going to be in charge. No, I'm going to be in charge. No, I'm going to be in charge. And he can't be in charge. That's not working. To bring the choice back to the people of Libya. Not the United States deciding, not Russia deciding, not Italy deciding, not France deciding, not Egypt, not the Emiratis, not Turkey, not Qatar, but the Libyans. I think Libyans need to be able to decide for themselves on who's going to run their government and how it's going to work. And the role of the internationals ought to be to help them get into alignment, help the Libyan politicalists get into alignment to enable that choice by the Libyan people. That's what, that's what the internationals ought to be doing. That should be U.S. policy. I think it is U.S. policy. And uh, the rest of them will get sorted. Okay.